Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Have you not realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? These are the words of Martin Lloyd-Jones, a pastor in London in the mid-1900s and author of the book Spiritual Depression. And here he is encouraging people to talk to themselves instead of listening to themselves. And that's where you might think, don't crazy people talk to their self, talk to themselves? Talk to myself. What do you mean? Well, it's something we all do. He goes on to explain, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are, but there they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Someone is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you, right? And I think that's something we can all relate to. You wake up in the morning and maybe it's, as he said, the problems of yesterday come back, or maybe you're already anticipating the problems of today, but whatever, there are these thoughts there that, you you know, you've just woken up. It's not like you had some written down agenda to think about these things, but no, these ideas are all flooding into your mind. And he is encouraging us, instead of just listening to yourself, talk to yourself. Now, is this just like some spiritual guru advice? Where in the world would this be coming from? Well, actually, in that book, in this passage, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is talking about Psalm 42, which is one of the Psalms that we read today. And here is what I would encourage you to think about as the example of someone talking to themselves instead of merely listening to themselves. Psalm 42 begins with those famous words, and it's interesting that the song that you're going to think of uh, really doesn't touch on a lot of what the psalm goes through. It begins, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You know, and that's where we all start thinking, as the deer panteth for the water. And that's where, if you were in church in the 90s, you sang that song. And if you weren't in church in the 90s, you might be like, what in the world was that? It was a song that was sung in churches all over the world about 30 years ago. But that's the thing. The song was really just about panting for God, thirsting for God, and that's a good thing. But the context of this psalm is suffering because the next verse, and this verse wasn't included in that old song, was, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He's panting for God. He's thirsting for God well, because he's in a what feels like spiritually a dry place. His tears have been his food. He needs sustenance because all he's got to eat, all he's got to drink are his tears. And then he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Verse five, then here we really see it. Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. And have you thought about that? Have you noticed how often you've seen that phrase? Oh, my soul in the Psalms. You know what that is doing? It's talking to yourself. 
He is talking to his soul here. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And now he he directs his soul, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And that's what uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones goes on to say. He says, now this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this, instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And then we see the same progression in the the next part of the, the psalm. He says, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. Uh, that's another line that gets used in some worship longs that some worship songs that I don't think it means what they think it means. Cause usually that seems to be just, you know, talking about waves of, of mercy, right? All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. But when you consider uh, the context, and I guess you, you could make an argument either way, it seems that it's, it's crushing him, right? The, the waves just keep crashing into the psalmist. But then in verse eight, he does again, direct his self. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life, saying, despite all these trials that come wave after wave, I know God commands his steadfast love. I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to keep praying. And what is my prayer? I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Right? He, he is hurting. But again, he comes back to the same refrain in verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So there, I hope that is helpful for you. As all of us, we struggle at times with our own thoughts and our thoughts can depress us. Our thoughts can make us angry. Our thoughts can make us bitter. All right. Our our thoughts can lead us all kinds of dark places. And that's where we need to not just listen to ourselves, but we need to talk to ourselves. We need to say, oh, my soul, listen up and let me remind you of what is true. Uh, Let me command you to hope in God for I shall again praise him. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important to read the Bible regularly. Uh, I think even to memorize scripture because it gives us something to say to our souls, right? When you wake up feeling down or feeling anxious or whatever it may be, when you open up God's word, he fills uh, you with words to address your soul with. So that's one of the reasons why this is so important for us to consider, uh, for us to live out. The other thing, I want to just encourage you with a dose of realism. This might be construed as overly simplistic. Well, if you don't, if you just don't listen to yourself and you just talk to yourself, everything would just be a-okay. Did you read Psalm 42? It doesn't seem like things are a-okay. It does not seem, and I hope you don't get the impression that, hey, if you talk to yourself and tell yourself what is true, you know, all your problems will just melt away. No, many of your problems will stay. Some of your problems might even get worse. But what talking to yourself will do is not make all your problems go away. It will give you strength to endure and to carry on until God changes things. 
Uh, and that's what we see here. That his circumstances don't magically change, but he directs his outlook to endure through the trial, even though the waves feel like they continue to come crashing. So I hope Psalm 42 can be a very practical encouragement to you and also just provide a tool for you to live uh, differently and to think in a way that that will encourage your heart even in times of trial. Psalm 41 is a psalm of David. And like yesterday, this is another one where he seems to uh, be just praying for God to protect him from his enemies. And even using uh, just the reminder, God, I want to be someone who is generous. Like this, blessed is the one who is considers the poor. I think David is trying to say, that's what I'm trying to be, God. Uh, but my enemies, they they are coming after me. Would you help me? I'm trying to do what, what you've told me to do. And we saw a little more of that yesterday. In uh, 2 Samuel today, we read chapters 20 and 21. Immediately in the wake of this rebellion of Absalom, there's another rebellion. This man, Sheba, he tries to say, hey, what, what portion do we have with David? And leads a rebellion. This one doesn't get very far as he goes and he gets in this town uh, and they besiege it. And this woman says, uh, what's the deal here? Do you want this guy? We'll throw his head over the wall. And they throw his head over the wall and the rebellion is squelched, right? But then in chapter 21, we read something that's very interesting where David uh, hands over some of the descendants of Saul to be killed by the Gibeonites. And that raises a lot of questions. Um, Clearly, there is a sense in which this is God ordained because the famine was on the land because of Saul's sin. The text clearly says that. And after David does this, God responds. So God does seem to be pleased with what is done, but that's where you might be raising the question, um, how does that work? Because it seems like some Saul committed the crime and his descendants are paying the penalty. What's what's up with that? And that's a that's a fair question. It doesn't explicitly explain why that is. We do have to trust, oh, God is just. And I do think we should see God takes the covenants pretty seriously. And because the covenant with the Gibeonites, if you remember, that was the city that tricked Joshua into making a peace treaty with them, even though they had been deceptive, right? It was still a covenant. And God expected that covenant to be kept. And because it wasn't kept, God brought consequences. But one verse that stood out to me, and I think the best theory is these men that were eventually handed over to be killed, I I personally don't think they were innocent because even in verse one, it says there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David sought the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, there is blood guilt on Saul and on his house because he put the Gibeonites to death. And even there, I think in the idea of blood guilt on his house, I think some suggest, well, the way this reconciles is these men might've participated in this with King Saul. And I think that's probably a good understanding that that fits more with what we see in the Bible. And you see the guilt is not just on Saul, but it is on his house. Uh, and so that that's an interesting question that gets raised today. Uh, I could be wrong on that. There are various theories about how that would work, but an interesting question. One thing I think we definitely should take away from it, even if we can't answer all the questions, is 
God takes covenants pretty seriously. Uh, And that's something to chew on and to meditate on. In the New Testament today, we read Galatians chapter 3. And again, we're talking about the law, uh, that no one is saved by the works of the law, and and that we are saved by faith. And today, it even really gets into, well, what about beyond that in the Christian life? And uh, that's where I would say we continue by faith. It's not that we're saved by faith and then we are sanctified by the works of the law. No, we are sanctified by faith. And we see that even look at verse five, um, or or let's start in verse uh, three. It says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? It's not that we're saved by the spirit and by faith and then sanctification is all up to us. No, there there are ways we are active participants in in our sanctification, but it's not, especially just through these ceremonious works. Look at verse five. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's where, again, how do we grow in the Christian life? A core aspect of that is going to be hearing with faith. You will grow. You will be sanctified as a Christian as you hear what God says, you believe it, and you live it out, right? That's the footsteps of, that's the real footsteps of faith of Abraham. You will grow as a Christian, not just by, well, if you go to church and and, and do this and, and you give and all of these more ceremonious things, many of which are are good things, even commanded things, but will really help you grow is as you hear the word of God, you believe what it says, and you live it out. That, that Those are the footsteps of faith that we follow now, even in our sanctification. We aren't sanctified just merely by performing rituals and going through motions, right? That's not where the power is going to come from. It's going to come through faith as we respond to the word of God. So let's respond to the word of God today, even in how we think about and how we address ourselves. And if you're discouraged or struggling this morning, draw your attention, command your soul. Oh, my soul, consider the truth of God's word. Listen to it, believe it, live it out. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.